0: In 94, Montel made no money and life was slow. All they said was 6'8", he stood, and people thought the music he made was good. There lived a DJ, and Paul was his name. And he came up to Monty, and this is what he said. He said, you and OG are going to make some cash. Sell a million records, and we'll make in a dash. Oh, I'm buzzing because
1: this is how we do it. <laughs> 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 dun,
0: dun. Oh this is how yeah. we do it. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. Nobody expects the deep verses from "This Is How We Do that's It." That's
1: true. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Son, this is the Continue Podcast, and we only bring you the deep cuts. Uh, my name is Anthony John Agnello, and with me are all my my wonderful, wonderful best hosts in the world. We've got that staff, Roberts, Dave Roberts. This is my favorite day. I love this day. <laughs> <laughs> whenever
2: I get to do this, like I'm so nervous because I feel like, oh, I gotta be on. I like my brain has to function and like come up with cogent thoughts about things.
0: But like, whenever I get on the call, it all falls away because y'all yeah. are damn lovely. You just, you're just back there. I find that nothing is sent. I- I think of the slow jam as a Buddhist prayer gong for people. Most people, they sit in silence and they try to clear their head of conscious thought. They breathe. And then there's dong. No, fuck that. I want you to feel like you're listening to Y94 FM, the burn in, in like 1995. And then boom, you're centered. You're right there. Uh, Feeling her spiritual peace is Susan Arndt. So speaking of Buddhist prayer gongs,
1: uh, or in this case, Buddhist prayer wheel, when was the last time
0: you watched The Golden Child? Oh, it's been a while. I bet that has not <laughs> aged well. Ooh. 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 I, bet, I bet old Mr. Murphy oh. and his skullcap... Some real oh. cultural appropriation issues. Oh, this that's many years later. It's
1: so okay. I loved this movie when it came yeah. out. I thought it was funny and it was a good adventure. And it is racist and sexist as fuck.
0: Susan, ex- explain to people what the Golden Child oh. is, because I feel I feel like this is one of those. It's far enough from like people don't talk
2: it. about the Golden Child <laughs> yeah, and the yeah. like Murphy Ovier.
1: Yeah, which is weird because. <laughs> I I mean I thought it was quite good. Okay, so uh, so Eddie Murphy is if memory serves a private detective mm-hmm. at, who needs to find uh, the golden child who is the reincarnation of Buddha, and uh, a Tibetan woman comes to him and says I need your help finding this kid, and it's this it's it's like the Buddhism's greatest hits. Like they they looked at the back. They went to the store. They bought a box of Buddhism, and they and they saw the <laughs> bullet points on the back. And they're like, "Oh, that's what we need to put in our movie." Okay, cool. We got monks. We got prayer wheels. We you know we got reincarnation. We got demons. We're fine. And then in the middle of that, there's there's Eddie Murphy doing basically Beverly Hills Cop, <laughs> <laughs> exactly, like, like He's disrespecting. Buddhism every possible way that he
0: could. Yeah. It's, mm, this is, this is a weird window of time too, because it's like, he's, he's one of the biggest stars in the world when this is made. Yeah. But it's also like he, he's in an almost fallow period because it's post Beverly Hills cop one. It's post 48 hours but it's pre coming to America because he, so he hasn't had that like. And it's not R rated, I don't think. Yeah, it's not. It's yeah, it's... which is
1: which was very unusual for him at the time. Like now, he's a big he. He moved. He segued from Beverly Hills Cop and Forty Eight Hours and all that stuff into kids movies. You know, Flubber, mm-hmm. and obviously he's Donkey from Shrek, and a whole lot of other kids movies. But this this was an unusual thing for him at the time to do something PG thirteen. But like, there's this the the woman who's asking for his help. Uh, is is stunningly beautiful. Interested in him for reasons I I cannot fathom. And yeah, there's because
0: movie. Like because, because she movie. wants to sleep with him because movie.
1: Yeah, and there's there's so much gratuitous sex imagery around her that it's just it's like. A nerd made it. Like that,
0: that's just that, that's just the 80s, right?
1: That's true. I mean, yeah, that's, that's true. just it's yeah. a
0: it's a major Hollywood film yeah. made between 1981 and 1991.
1: Yeah. yeah, this is how do we deal with sexuality? I know you put her in a white shirt and then spray water
0: on her. Mm-hmm. That's how. Right, <laughs> Nailed yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, yeah. wasn't that like that's a scene at the beginning of Care Bears 2. Like that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's really great. The Did battle the of Endor starts with Wicket and the other Ewoks going Flash to the dancing. roadhouse, <laughs> and there's a wet T-shirt contest <laughs> happening at the roadhouse. Yes, and they're like, "Ooh, TD. That's um, you're yeah, mixing. I, look, look, all kinds of I metaphors here. Ha- yeah. Come on, <sighs> I had to. Right? <laughs> all right. Yeah, so, so,
1: so I need, so I need Dave to explain something to me. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the switch got hacked.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Tell so,
1: me what's going on. Okay,
2: so according to this report on uh, Eurogamer through Digital Foundry, mm-hmm. there is a uh, exploit in the the Tegra processor itself. Okay. That was found by a uh, a bunch of like homebrew hacker type people. They uh, they're just doing it because they like homebrew. Right, uh, right. So they decided to report, like they put this report out mm-hmm. uh, saying, like, look, we hacked it. It is, it's, it's like it is low level hacking. I believe. I, I like. I'm gonna mess up tech things, so don't email me. Yeah, don't know, oh, just, just deal with it. But hey. the idea none is us, that
0: none of us know about tech shit. We're just, we're not those people. No. The, uh, the,
2: the thing about this kind of hack though, is that while certain uh, certain things can get patched, this hack is at the processor level.
0: So okay. anyone
2: who knows how to get to bypass the OS, which is basically like the, the way that they found, is you just put this little like wire in where the Joy-Con goes, and you can access, <laughs> you can access the OS and rewrite okay. the code through okay. this exploit. So yeah, so basically, uh, all 15 million Switches uh, that are currently on the market are hackable. Okay, and and cannot be and cannot be patched. So they have Linux running on it. There are uh, other groups that are. Obviously, going to be attempting to put, uh, you know, allow you to play pirated games. Sure, uh, sure. Oh, in addition, so yeah, and that no matter what kind of patches that Nintendo tries to put, they'll be able to hack it.
0: It cannot be fixed. It cannot until, be until until they they go to NVIDIA and say we're gonna we're gonna shut it all down, and we yeah, need an. The, the, the only way they can fix the it is chip. to
2: literally replace the chip with a new. Yeah. Okay. Model. Okay, so first question.
0: They, yeah. Does a consumer have to give a shit? Uh, the consumer has to do... So before before we hopped on uh, and the show began, mm-hmm. we were comparing this to the existence of the R4 flash cart right. for the Nintendo DS. Uh, if anybody doesn't remember anything that happened before the year 2016. We understand. <laughs> refresh your memory. The R4 was a widely available flash cart yeah. uh, that allowed you to just pirate every single Nintendo DS and Game Boy Advance game in existence, and it cost about $30. Yeah. And, and, a, and a micro SD card. And a micro SD card, and it, it took minimal knowledge of using a PC to do all of these things. And it shattered the Nintendo DS software market. Uh, Every single publisher in the world sort of abandoned the platform at speed. And this sort of started the whole trend of publishers like EA saying, we're not even going to work with Nintendo platforms because not only do our games not sell as well as theirs, they're just going to get pirated. Mm. This is close to that bad yeah so like
2: what Mm. what uh other homebrew groups could do is they could like use this exploit with games that they they have like known bugs or issues or work so like there's a hack for the wii you put in a copy of lego indiana jones you walk to a specific point in the hub world you Mm -hmm. press a combination of buttons on your remote with this like special save file in your sd card and uh command line prompt and you're in yep yeah like, that's the kind of thing. So, like, uh, a dev could find a backdoor with the game that's na- that's out, and while Nintendo could patch that stuff to make mm-hmm. it more difficult, there's no way that they could seal that door completely. Yeah. So sure. short, uh, short of replacing the processor completely. And the thing is, this isn't, for the first time, this is not Nintendo's fault. This is NVIDIA's fault. It is in every single device that is powered by a Tegra X1 chip.
0: Yeah. Oh wow! Okay, and the the thing is, is people have known they've known that this chip has been vulnerable since late last year, mm-hmm. and the 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 uh, two uh, hackers who found this um, after they went swimming with Angelina Jolie and put away their rollerblades, and, nice, <laughs> nice, uh, yeah. After they nice. did all those things, after they, they actually definitely. they did they did their due diligence. They you know went through like the process of alerting the community about this exploit they told google and mm-hmm. it's supposed to be filed and addressed with the companies before it's made public and google's whole division for this let the do like the the disclosure date pass and didn't oh yeah and so they were like we are going to tell everybody about this now because other Less less scrupulous groups, yeah, Mm, are are gonna like
2: like. There's they said other groups who are probably working on a physical bypass that you could just buy at a store. Like it's you 3D print a little plastic thing with wires in it. There are pictures of this on uh, Eurogamer, I think. A little 3D printed plastic bit that just slots it into where the Joy-Con goes. Um,
0: Yeah, it's bad. It's not great, and it just okay.
1: Yeah, okay. Connect the dots for me a, a little bit more, because I mean, like the R four. Uh, I get it. Although it was part of the problem with the R four was n- less in like North America and Europe, but w- in countries where pri- piracy is the norm, right? N- Nintendo couldn't sh- sell anything. Yeah. Like it just couldn't. Because yeah. why? You know, I, no. This is this is the standard. Is is this? So okay. So you can you can hack the Switch. First question are consumers at it, if you have a switch right now are you in any danger
0: oh no okay no no no, no so no, that's
1: fine so no. the concern here or there is entirely are companies going to stop making games for the switch because the switch is hackable
0: yes and is is piracy going to become so rampant mm-hmm. on the switch that it shatters the software market not just v- yeah n- not, not just piracy
2: the uh, our online games from here on out, completely compromised because hackers can create mods and log in, which is a problem if Nintendo is going to charge $20 a month or a year or whatever to access that online service.
0: Think think about it like this, too. Nintendo is at an especially vulnerable moment because they are getting partners in the online space to start to really embrace the platform. The Mm -hmm. fact that there are... Xbox Live achievements on the Nintendo Switch right now because of Minecraft. The fact that right the freaking Master Chief is going to technically be in a Nintendo Switch game in the next 6 months if all of a sudden Minecraft like one of the pillars of children's entertainment in the mm. west at this point mm-hmm. is vulnerable because of this Nintendo, all of these people who are like, we got to get our thing on Switch. We got all those wonderful partners are going to flee for the goddamn hills.
2: Isn't there talk about a Fortnite coming to Switch, too? There has to be, yeah. 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 So that could could be bad if people can just hack whatever they want in there. Yeah, it's... It seems like at least right now, far enough away from the kind of mainstream adoption that hacking like a PSP or uh, or the DS with the R four cart is. Right. But right now it's just a mat- it's it's a matter of time.
1: It, and, yeah, that's absolutely. And true. Nintendo
2: will yeah. always be one step behind now.
1: Yeah. In, and, I, in, and I feel like what's really funny is the PS, the homebrew market kept the PSP alive right? for several yeah. years. <laughs> yeah. And it'd be so great if this went that route, but we, it won't. No, 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 it will go. It will go the route of bad people doing
0: bad things. And no. it's clear too that Nintendo was at least in some way aware that this was going to be a problem, because in either the last or the second to most recent firmware update for the switch mm-hmm. uh, people found embedded in the code reference to a new version of the tigra chip uh mm, interesting so th- there there is either going to be a a just a switch revision that's going to be hitting shelves soon quietly uh, and nobody, nobody knows just yeah kind of like, mm. right slipping it out or people you know they're some people have been speculating that there's going to be, you know, a switch light, a switch, uh, mm. some kind of actual hardware revision within the next year. Regardless, you know, I I think I think this is the kind of thing Nintendo is going to have to figure out some way to address this because they got a Pokemon a coming uh-huh. and, and, and a they got, Smash Bros. and a, and a Smash Bros. and you gotta you, yeah. you gotta make sure that those things go nice and smooth
2: yeah. because
0: if you're if you're listening to this. Uh, uh, on on the first week of May, we're recording this on the day that Nintendo reported its most recent earnings. They've sold just close to 18 million Switches, and they think they're going to sell 20 million more between the fiscal year is out. By March of 2019, if they're going to sell 20 million more of these things and keep making money on games, mm. they're going to gonna have to fix that problem. Oh... Uh, Sorry, guys. It was going so well. It was going so smooth. Um, I can imagine that, you know, uh, Nintendo, all the people in the hardware division are in a meeting room with all the people from NVIDIA talking about this and it's just dead silence and they're looking at Reddit as all of these hackers are like, yo bro, I'm going to get Mortal Kombat running on that thing with it online. And they're like, oh God, what are we going to do? And then you just hear behind them, boy, and Kratos <laughs> just smacks every single one of the executives right across the head very firmly. And then only we can see this. The executives can't see this, but Kratos goes to comfort them afterwards, but stops himself. He's like, no. They'll learn. They'll learn from their hardware design mistakes. Uh, I'm sure everyone is surprised, but all three of us have been playing God of War. Uh, some of us more than others. I only just got my, my copy last night. Uh, So I only sank a little bit of time in that. Susan, how much Dad of War have you played? I've played a lot of Dad of War. I
1: think I'm perhaps halfway through the game. It's hard to tell because uh, there's lots of hidden areas and secrets and collectibles and that sort of stuff. And I am all about it. I am like, Mm I will get you. I'll I'm right with you. I just gotta go do this thing over here first. So just hang on. I mean, oh, there's a dwarf. Do you need my help? Okay, sure, absolutely. Like, so I've been I've been doing that. Uh, I I couldn't tell you how many hours I've put into it so far, but it's put pro- many. many 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 many
0: good hours. I hated the first hour. See, no, okay, that's interesting because I've only played about an hour and a half. Yeah, and I was in. Immediately. Yeah. I Well, I had I, I was very skeptical about this, mm-hmm. and ever since they showed off the first sort of big gameplay trailer for this at E3 2016, I said to myself, you know what? I don't want to know anything about this game that I don't have to know professionally. I'm going to not read previews. I am not yep. going to watch videos. I want nothing to do with it because I just want to play this game when it comes out because it looks interesting. mm mm-hmm. uh, and so I, I was beginning to have the pretension shakes. Uh, as, <laughs> like, as, you got a big old earful of Bear McCreary? Yeah. Like, like <laughs> the more people talked about it as this moving cinematic experience, I was like, oh, oh. God, no. Ugh. And then at, when I started playing, I was actually texting with Dave, and I was like, I wish I could just turn off the music. Like, in these introductory oh, moments... Because I don't need to get get Bear McCreary so hard during what is supposed to be a funeral for a child's lost mother that I think Trisha Helfer is gonna walk out in a fucking red dress and start telling me about this has all happened before and it'll happen again. Fuck that shit. I want nothing to do with it. Give me silent austerity. But. When it transitioned, at, like even those first few moments, I I was so taken with the performances. Oh you know, sure, yeah. Like the motion capture is so remarkable and so lifelike, and it is directed with such which with such grace. Right at the beginning, that I was I was I was swept up as soon mm-hmm. as you know things started to happen. And before we go on. To clarify, if if people want to play this and haven't started it yet, uh, and you're the no spoilers of any kind type, there's gonna be some spoilers here, guys. We're not gonna get yeah. into big story beats, but we're gonna talk about things that happen in this game. Yeah. And if you don't wanna hear about things that, that happen in this game, boy Skip howdy. ahead. Skip skip to the end. Dave will put a Put something in the show I'll notes. I'll put some when tags. We, yeah. yeah what, what, you, you can skip ahead to when we're talking about Wes Anderson being a real racist. Uh, okay. Not really. Not really. Not really. What? <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, yeah, I that first... I, I was giving that disclaimer because the first boss fight, too, I thought that the troll thing that you meet was the first boss fight. Uh, oh yeah. And I, I was like, that was great. And I I was playing it and I was like, oh shit, this is still a God of War game, which mm-hmm. I was not expecting. and I have a great deal of affection for the original three God of War games uh-huh. uh, as there much as yeah, as much as I also uh, recognize that they're deeply problematic. Yeah, yeah, yeah yeah. Um, I've a deep well of affection for them. Uh, and so I was like, oh, this is still a God of War game. Uh, they've Resident Evil Ford this. that they, they they change the perspective a little, they change your priorities a little, but underneath the bedrock of this thing is the same. Yeah, you're still and, fighting and monsters. You're and... still fighting monsters and you're still like, I'm gonna tear open your neck, dog! Um, <laughs> And then I got to the real first boss fight. Yeah. And I was like, oh shit, this is awesome. <laughs> oh god, wow, that is yeah okay is that that's a different experience than the one you had well
1: no uh the first reaction was the same like oh this is a god of war game right and you were like (laughs)
0: like
1: great because here's the thing like my problem with the god of war games is not the problematic part like the Mm. fact that they're misogynistic as fuck like that actually is not my issue my issue is you play one you're good Tappy, 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 it just They don't evolve. They don't change. They are, they are, it's funny. They're both very much ahead of their time and also
0: of their time. Yes. I could not, could not have said it better.
1: Gorgeous, beautiful spectacle, very over the top, but one note the whole way through.
0: The only way that God of War one could be more 2005 is if in the middle of it Cliffy B drove through the game in a Ferrari yeah. and got out and his hat was backwards and
2: Godsmack was there and God Godsmack, yeah.
0: Godsmack yeah, was there. Yeah. I mean <laughs> it's it.
1: They're they're very of a time, they're 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 very of a specific player. Yeah. Um totally. yeah, and I was I mm, thank you no more. So, yeah, bite the troll, I was like, "Oh, Okay, well, it's it's not as thirteen year old boy as it used to be, but it's the gameplay hasn't evolved, so that's boring to me. Right. And then and then we fight the first boss, uh, and that a that fight went on way too long.
0: Yeah, oh, way too see, long. See, I was playing on easy from the oh. start. That's another thing that I should probably specify. Okay. Is that uh, I I just from general chatter, people talking about acclimating. <laughs> to the combat, as I'm wont to do these days. Mm -hmm. I'm Mm -hmm. not playing these games to waste my fucking time. No, that's really fair, yeah. you know, like, so I I started on easy, so that first boss fight, which is, I I can imagine that if you're sitting there trying to whittle down a life bar, Uh that it drags, but it was very swift when I was playing. Oh, yeah.
2: No, like, uh, because that's also my biggest complaint of the game so far, is just that the combat generally just feels like it takes a little too long to get through. Mm. But like switching it to easy, you are mopping up foes. Like it's almost too easy. Yeah. So like like I, I wish there was like this this nice little in-between where I get to do like all the cool combos and stuff, but like every combat encounter doesn't take like a thousand hours. Yeah. Um but yeah I could definitely see how that first thing, see like That first encounter, I felt like dragged on too long, but the tone of it, I was like way into of this guy just being like, "Nah, dog. Like, look, I'm I'm here again. Let's do this. Let's dance. Uh,
1: I feel nothing. I feel (laughs) nothing.
0: You know what I feel? Nothing. (laughs) Yeah, that's interesting because I like he only said that twice
2: in my fight
0: with him. Wow. (laughs) Right, because because the fight just kept cooking. Like, it just, like, all of these, uh, I I got into that fight, I had enough of a satisfying feeling of, I'm doing these combos, I'm doing these dodges, I'm doing, like, the game hadn't even taught me to parry with a shield yet, but then I realized that you could, and... So I was getting the satisfaction of connecting with the controls and the weight of the character. Mm -hmm. But when you're playing on easy, his life bar just bleeds down. So the drama of the moment isn't interrupted by, you know, some sort of uh, nonsensical sense of challenge. Uh, I will say, like, it was... It was the exact opposite of the experience of playing Horizon for the first time. Because interesting. I interesting. Yeah. I started Horizon on easy for the same reasons. I am not here I'm here because I want to engage with art and world and story. I'm not mm-hmm. here for some kind of interesting challenge. And in Horizon, you're you're missing, I would say, seventy percent of the experience when you do that. I agree. The, because, you know, there's that first mission where you need to hunt, you know, the, the thing that's like sort of an allosaur. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was able to just run up and start pounding on it with melee attacks when what you really are supposed to be doing yeah. is, is doing the traps. So all of the drama of the moment was lost. Right. Whereas the first hour of God of War playing on easy, I, I got to have the big story experience yeah. sort of unsullied by nonsense.
1: Yeah, that's the thing. Like, the enemies in God of War, it, it, the, the combat between, co- between God of War and Horizon are
0: two completely different things. In other respects, the games
1: are remarkably similar.
0: It's why I bring them up. You know, uh, and, yeah, and it, yeah. it, ain't, they, it ain't just the fact that everybody is wearing dope-ass deer skins. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, they, they feel the same. They have a yeah. similar look to them. In, in God of War, you run up to things and you hit them on the head as hard as you can. Mm-hmm. And and when you do it enough, they die and you get shinies. Mm-hmm. In Horizon, you if you try to do that, you will die. Because smoke, the, yeah. these are wild creatures, they have you know distinct personalities and attacks. You have to hunt them, you have to set traps, you have to tie them down, you have to use stealth, or you will fail. Mm-hmm. So it's a completely different combat experience. Uh, God of War is I will say, once you begin to upgrade, your your axe and upgrade your son's bow, and you can do more interesting things. Then the combat gets a little more enjoyable because otherwise it's just hit things on the head as hard as you can. And the things are they there's not a lot of differentiation between the bad guys in yeah. Midgard. So uh, <laughs> like when you go from from Midgard, which is your your hub basically, into one of the other worlds, yes, then the creatures in each other world is different, but within worlds, there's a whole lot of samey-samey going on.
0: This is yeah. really interesting because I, you know, I'm still so early mm-hmm. that that flow of other worlds and I've barely even started to upgrade. Like, I've mm-hmm. only just gotten enough points to start unlocking things on the skill tree, mm-hmm. and I only have the one runic ability for the axe and the the runic ability is just like your specials it's yeah. it's it, it is your soup of the day for your axe attacks and i i i'm in though i'm very oh yeah, th- yeah. Dave, how deep into this beast are you how much have so, you So i just made
2: it to the first new world i'm about okay. i think i'm I, I just like got the trophy for that area and i'm a, i'm on my way out uh, the, so that's about how the f-
0: pink place.
2: Yes, the pink place. Okay. Okay. Uh, no, but I,
0: th- I think we can. I th- like. We can talk. All, we can talk Alphime, about that. I believe Alphime? it's called. Yeah. yeah.
2: Lots of like uh, dark elves that fly around and. Oh uh, shit! They, they Do you feel actually like bugs.
0: Is, is does this go full Yggdrasil? Or are you going to the yes! nine realms? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome! Mm-hmm. Yes! I, I, and, and I love the
2: way that this game sort of blossoms out is really elegant. So the game starts off the first couple hours are very linear. You're, you're learning the ropes. You're going from, from beginning to the first boss to the next, and then you're sort of exploring. And the game kind of hints at like, Oh yeah, you could go straight here, but there's a little side path at the treasure chest. Like you can explore it or not like whatever. But then once you get the canoe, in the big lake, the Lake of the Nine, you can start to explore a little more. So like uh, there's this g- your goal is at this this like big pedestal in the, the center of the area and you can go there or you could realize like you look around like, oh, there are other dock points and you go up and there's a ghost you can talk to. And he gives you a side quest. And you're like, I have a side quest now. And you go and you do his side quest stuff. And then you realize like there's this path that winds around that feels like it should stop, but it keeps going. And then you discover there's a mine over here with another side quest. This whole other dungeon that you could completely miss if you Mm -hmm. just went for the main thing. And then so I start mopping up all of this stuff. And then uh, I start pursuing the main quest and then they send you back to the center of this pedestal and that's when the game starts unlocking the different hub worlds. And then you basically transform this pedestal that's a bridge that rotates this giant lake and it sends you to another dimension. And it's just like the way that the game does not tell you these things until it shows them to you And it's just like a light switch goes off. You're like, oh,
0: that's what this game is now. And it's doing it so many times. I can't believe that the game does all these things because A, I'm still so early that I had no idea, and B, I've avoided everything so effectively, so I'm like, wait, mm-hmm. shit, there are side dungeons? Yeah. Like, I want, I want to just sort of quietly move over as we're talking and, like, turn <laughs> yeah, on... You're going to impose your own spoiler warning. <laughs> like, cool, guys, you
1: just keep doing podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's... I, I will... Uh, I was playing Dad of War... And only stopped because we had to do this podcast.
0: <laughs> well, I by the way, Dad of War is going to stick, right? This is, Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. This is just it forever. Like, And guess what, Sony? Uh, I know that your marketing team is probably like, that's so awesome, Dad of War. It's so funny. That's viral, dog. Shut up. Um, but I know <laughs> that, that there are probably uh, people on the development team that's like, no, don't call it that. Call it God of War. Like, no. Either put a number on it or come up with a subtitle. Stop stop naming games the same thing twice. Stop it. I don't want to do... Especially since, like, this isn't... It's not a reboot. It's no, not a reboot. it's not. It's a fourth it's not. game. It's a fourth game. It is. Just put the number on it. It's fine. Yeah. We're all still talking about Resident Evil 4. We're all still doing it. All these yeah, years but there later. wasn't a gap between RE3 and RE4 like there was... No. Well, it's not. It's not too distant, really. Because yeah, okay. So, Resident Evil Three was ninety nine. Code okay. Veronica was the spring of two thousand, and then there was no Resident Evil Four until two thousand five. So five years. Oh. Okay. And God of War Ascension was twenty twelve. So okay, it's, okay, close. Okay, it's close. It's okay. close. But I don't. I don't think anybody wants. It. Even even the people that made God of War Ascension don't want anyone else to remember that God of no. War. Ascension no. no
2: when I wrote that, I wrote an article for Games Radar back when they revealed uh, God of War. And it was basically like everything old is new again about how they're ta- like these companies are taking like old franchises and 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 revisiting them and t- putting twists on them to make them new. And like I in the article, I was not exactly kind about God of War Ascension. And yet the set Sony Santa Monica studio like retweeted my article to its social media followers. I was like, OK, so you guys get it, you know, yeah,
1: I know.
0: They're not stupid. Yeah, they're, not, they're not. Nobody wanted to make a game where Kratos literally punched an elephant man in the brain. Nobody wanted to do the elephant brain. Uh, Susan, what was the turning point then? You know, what was the moment mm. where, you know, you you realized that this was not going to continue being God of War? And and full spoilers, because I, I want to yeah, hear okay. the detail on this one.
1: Okay, okay. So, so what happens is, uh, at the beginning of the game, and this is full spoiler, so if you don't want to know this, again, seriously, fast forward to Wes Anderson being a racist. <laughs> uh, uh, Kratos' is, uh, uh, Atreus is Kratos' son. And, boy. Uh, boy. He calls boy. him boy. He calls him boy. Interesting thing, though, fun thing to watch while you're playing, Anthony. He calls him boy except for when he's scared.
0: Oh yeah, every single time I noticed it immediately. Yeah, because there there is that moment um, right as you get to the first ruins and uh, some real real assholes show up and they're like, yeah. "Oh good, I'm we're gonna eat those guys!" And I'm like, "Don't yeah. eat him. You don't know where he's been, Lou." <laughs> uh, <laughs> but you kill them, and then Atreus—full uh, on spoilers, everybody. Atreus yeah. kills his first person. Yeah. And like the again, the performance of this game, God, it killed me when when Kratos sees this happen and says Atreus, and it's the first time in the action that he says Atreus instead of boy. I was like, oh God, go hug him immediately.
1: Yeah, um, <laughs> um, actually, and also as far I, obviously I have not finished the game yet, but so far those are the only humans you kill in the entire game.
0: That's amazing. Wow.
1: Yeah, no it's all you know draugr and and you know monsters and and elf that's line, amazing elf because
0: that makes that scene even more effective exactly, knowing that exactly exactly exactly
1: uh so yeah okay so his his mother has died and her her last wish was for uh kratos and atreus to take her ashes to the top of the highest mountain in the realm so that's what they're uh gonna do they they burn her uh, on her funeral pyre and she had uh, it's so touching she had selected the trees that she wanted used for her funeral pyre and that's the the game begins with kratos cutting one of them down and you can tell his heart is just broken at having to do this and then balder shows up and balder wants something and you don't know what it is but he's like hey, Kratos, I want something. And Kratos is like, how about you piss off? And Baldur's like, no, nah, I don't think so. And then they fight for an hour and a half.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and unless, then, unless this isn't... Guys, you've played Sony first party games before. <laughs> how many times, how many years do we have to know each other where I tell you guys, <laughs> don't play Uncharted, The Last of Us. No, that's The Last true. Guardian. Every single so- Sony... First party game. Just started on easy. You saved yourself a whole lot of trouble.
1: <laughs> so, uh,
0: so then, uh, you know,
1: Kratos is like, okay, we can't stay here. It's not safe anymore. So, uh, before then, like, uh, Atreus was like, okay, so we're going to go take mom to the mountain, right? He's like, no, you're not ready. Hell no. You're like a little, no, uh-uh. We're going to train you a bit more first. And then Baldur shows up and he's like, well, guess we're going to train on the road then because we got to peace out. And they start their journey. And when the game starts to open up that way, when it's it's after the stage has been set and the journey has begun and you're not teaching them how to hunt anymore and you're not – that's when you really start to get an idea that, oh, maybe this isn't just same old hacky slashy, hacky slashy. And then you get to the lake of the nine and like Dave said, it doesn't point out – Look at all the places around the lake that you can explore. Isn't that neat? you just like, I wonder what that is. Row, 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 row. Oh, heck. It's a whole mission over here that has absolutely nothing to do with the main quest. Nobody's going to tell you that it's here. It's yours to find or not. Totally up to you. And the stuff that happens in those side areas is as interesting and engaging and worthwhile as the main quest. Yeah. So for me, that was... uh, that I was like, oh, okay, this isn't gonna suck.
2: Hmm. Awesome. Yeah. yeah. Like like I had that moment where cause uh, I didn't super like Horizon. I thought it was fine. Like as far as open world games go, it was it was very pretty to look at. But it had that open world problem of like, okay, here are all the icons. It's true stuff. Go do the stuff. And I was really because I'd heard that God of War had some open world stuff in it. I was really hoping that it wasn't going to do that. And it doesn't it like everything like Susan said, everything really does feel considered and placed with purpose. But there's not an overload of it. And it's there if you want to find it and like to seek it out and find it rather than just being told. Well, go to the point and pick up the thing because it'll tick off a thing in your menu, and you'll yeah. get the trophy when you get them all.
1: Yeah, yeah. like you, you know, you know how I am with collectibles. I don't feel <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. Like I'm, I'm, I'm that person. I don't feel like I have to. Like there's uh, Odin's ghostly ravens. There's 51 of them in the game. It tells you that. And every time you smash one, it it tells you, okay, now you've killed X number of these ghostly ravens. I'm sure something happens if you kill all of them. I don't know what it is. I don't care. I don't think I'm going to find all of them. If I happen to see them, great. But that's not what I'm interested in. And there's enough other stuff that rewards me for finding it, like, tracking down chests and there are these special chests that have three blue runes on them and there will be three blue runes hidden in the environment somewhere.
0: I love that first one. I love that first puzzle because it's, they are spaced just enough that you have to leave the room a little to go out. And you know, I hate, I swear to God, I swore. I'm sorry guys. I have to break my promise. I fucking hate in Breath of the Wild. There it and is! And you have to... Like, it'll present some kind of environmental thing to you, and you... Like, it's just... It, it's not... or It's not gamey enough to keep you in the area of the thing yeah. that you're trying to solve. You have to drift so far away that then you'll be like, oh, now a monster's hitting me in the dick with a stick, and I need to take care of it. This is... there. Are, there's one in clear sight that you clear that rune, Mm -hmm. and then there's one, like, if you turn around and start looking, you'll see the second one pretty easily, Mm -hmm. and then the third one, you know it's gonna be close. The game has already told you that two of them are close, that means the third one has to be close, but it's just far enough away. It's just far enough away, and it leads you in a way that it shows you a couple of other things Mm -hmm. to catch your eye. And that is, that's remarkable. Remarkable. It's so elegant
1: the way the game teaches you things yeah the amount of stuff it actually tells you with that teeny 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 text
2: it's so bad
1: it's so small is is not that much honestly it's enough so that you you feel competent but it doesn't tell you like you gotta do that there will be three nearby activate your radar like no like you figure out from that first one okay Here's the chest. It can't be that far. If I go into this whole other chamber, that's probably too far. So if I can't see them, and you start to get more creative with where you start to look, and they get more creative with the way you have to activate the runes as the game goes on, you will get to a point where the three of them won't be things to smash. There will be bells you have to ring. Cool. And you have to have them all ringing at the same time in order for it to unlock.
0: That's and awesome.
1: Yeah, it's... And
0: that's a very very classic-style puzzle. Like, that's the kind of thing that you would see in a Super Nintendo game. I like... Yes,
1: yeah. yeah. So I I love all that. I love that it's... There's a really great balance between... I have to go hit things on the head really hard... And I'm going to walk around this environment and solve puzzles. Yeah. And I will be rewarded for that exploration with Norse lore, or Hacksilver or experience, or resources, or like, and and the other thing that makes this superior in a lot of ways to Horizon's collectability, if you, if you were a collectible person in Horizon, at a certain point, you broke the economy of the game, right? There were uh, sets of things to collect, like mugs and keys and stuff like that. And you were supposed to trade them in to get valuables, license
0: but, plates with your name on it, exactly.
1: You know, <laughs> like friendship bracelets. But if you if you were playing the game enough, you had so much stuff, you had zero incentive to go get these things. Yeah. So the economy was completely broken. But in Dad of War you use the <laughs> hack silver you find because that's how you upgrade your skills. Mm. And you use all the bits of you know soft steel and hard steel and uh, world serpent scales. You use all that because that's how you upgrade your weapons and your armor. It's, it's completely worthwhile to seek all this stuff out. Yeah. And it makes your game not just a little easier but more fun.
0: It's really interesting too because – I feel people have sort of forgotten the fact that this balance that you guys are talking about between exploration, between hacky slashy, and between collecting stuff, that was always the format of God of War. I, I feel like true. people That's forget true. how puzzle yeah. and exploration-centric God of War was from the start. In, in people's memory, it seems to have morphed into just this non-stop combat game mm-hmm. when really it was far more engaged with, with exploration and puzzles than yeah. it, it was just sort of traversing from one fight to the next. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It
2: honestly feels more analogous to Resident Evil 7 than it does mm. 4, I would say. Just because, mm. like, 7 is a Resident Evil game, yeah, just in first person with different combat controls. Like, yeah. it's... Mm-hmm. That's, that's, point, this man. is still
0: a God, of, a God of War game. It's just... Yeah. It but plays it also a little seem, different. It seems that it nails the balance far better than any of the other God of War games was. Oh, because yeah. Because yeah. everybody sort of had the exact same criticism when God of War 1 came out and people sort of settled from the fervor of being like, this Mm -hmm. is the baddest ass thing ever! Everybody realized, like, oh, the Pandora's tower on the Titan goes on a little too long, and solving the 50th puzzle where you have to kick a box across a conveyor belt on a certain amount of time. Gee,
2: Hades sure sucks every (laughs) time in every
0: game. You know, I think the Hades puzzle where you're trying to time your jumps at the end of one really wasn't that bad. I, I feel like that got a bad rap. I
2: remember hearing like the reason why it sucks so bad, why everyone hated it is because like they ran out of time. They couldn't test it as well as the rest of the game.
0: Yeah. Like man. it
2: just, it was just a, a casualty of time. Yeah. But uh, it sucked. So, don't try to, don't try to justify it,
0: Anthony. It's bad. <laughs> yeah, I, no, it's... I, I just didn't bother. The final boss fight in the original God of War is one of the worst goddamn things I've ever played in my entire life. I don't know if you guys remember vividly, what it is like to, because the end of God of War one is, it's one of those boss fights where it decides to throw all of the previous mechanics of the game out Um, the window yeah, and you're in a a one-on-one wrestling match with Ares.
2: (laughs) With Macho Man Randy Savage.
0: It's Macho Man Randy Savage without the cowboy hat. That is Ares in the original God of War. And you have to fight him, and then you, then it's a sword fight, and it's tedious, noisome bullshit. It takes forever to get through, it's totally cheap, and it, it makes no sense. You would have no satisfaction of, here are all the things I learned before this fight, and now I yeah. get to deploy them in one big, grand, climactic moment. God of War eventually got better th- at this. The, uh... The final boss fight in Cory Barlog's first God of War directorial uh, seat game, uh, God of War Two, final boss fight is a sword fight with Zeus, and it's badass. Like it's a, it's mm-hmm. one of the best boss fights in the entire series. How are how many boss fights have you guys gotten into beyond Baldur at the beginning? Are there a lot? Are there a little? This is kind of like a signature part of the series. I've probably done 6. That's that's a lot.
1: Well, here's See? the thing. Because a- aside from your your regular fodder who are going to be in varying degrees of difficulty. Yeah. You can encounter just enemy just garden variety garden variety enemies that are just a few levels above you. Yeah. So that's kind of like a mini boss fight right there. But then there are also these mythological creatures that you run into. You will run into trolls. You will run into ogres. You will run into these things called ancients. And those are boss fights. Yeah. And so they will – those crop up fairly regularly. But what's – again, what I appreciate about the game is you know, the first time, you're like, oh my god, how am I ever going to do this? And then by the time you get to the next one, it's like – no, 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 that, that's fine. That's not a big deal. But now it's it, it's slightly more complicated because now it's not just something that's partly armored and really strong. He also has elemental attacks. Mm. Oh, well, okay, shit. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's... I, I, I very much appreciate the progression, although I'm... I, because you can wander anywhere and you don't necessarily have to stay on the path, you will wander into stuff that is above... Your pay
0: grade. It'll mess you up. It, it will,
1: which is okay because the what,
0: game it, has- Does it Xenoblade mess you up? Is it like, oh, oh yeah. no, there's a level 93 <laughs> monkey and- so. Oh yeah, oh yeah. They're, they're these uh, these rifts and yep. sometimes they have
2: like <laughs> normal items, like you reach in and like pull out a talisman piece or an upgrade thing. And one time, like I reached in and was like, okay, what's in this rift? It's, uh, it's a purple dude. Boom, dead. Yep, yep. Even on easy, just yes. like one hit, just yes. loot, you're dead, uh, reload yeah. your checkpoint. You're like, oh, well, I'm not going to do that right
1: now. <laughs> yeah. But, I'm, um, I'm in one situation right now where I have three enemies to kill. Uh, there's a thing I need to do. and I'm not going to tell you what it is. There's a thing I need to do. And there's, I just got to polish off three enemies. Hmm. And I cannot kill these fuckers for the life of me. I'm like, fuck, I'll be back later. I'm not dealing with you right now. Whatever.
0: So I just went What you and got want back. to go back is the thing. I absolutely you do want oh, to dude.
1: deal with them. Okay, well, I, like so, I'm playing downstairs while my husband is playing upstairs, right? <laughs> like he's he's got the PS4 Pro. He's got the God of War PS4 Pro hooked up to the 4K TV. By the way, the text is still fucking tiny. It's so too small. It's too small. So those of you saying like, "Oh, you should have 4K," it makes no goddamn difference. The text is just too goddamn small so uh we, we both we like commiserated over this this one fight you go to this island uh, or this area in the game uh, and you can get there like as soon as you get to the lake of the nine you can get there right away and the rest of it is challenging the rest of this particular area is 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 challenging but doable if you're smart about it and then there's this one fight with a with an ogre or a troll I don't know which one's which and it just it just pummels you and um and i tried it like maybe 10 times and i couldn't do it i'm like i will come back to you motherfucker and i went i went and did more things and as soon as i upgraded my axe i beelined right back there and russ comes downstairs he's like wait a minute i thought you already did this i'm like i didn't kill that goddamn troll yet he's like oh i understand (laughs) yeah so uh yeah i wanted to go back and i will go back <laughs> I'll make this. I will harm them.
0: So I, 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 immediately asked about the desire to return to this. This is this is a topic that uh, sort of emerged naturally in the continued discord a couple of days ago. We were talking about boss fights and big Indeed. boss fights. And what makes a good boss fight? And are boss fights even the thing that should be in video games in general? God of War traditionally has been a game that celebrated the boss fight as a spectacle, as a thing mm-hmm. that is both a big challenge that you need to get over, and a reward. It's, you've gotten through this portion of the game, and now we are going to show you something that is spectacular, that is unlike anything else, and typically, God of War has always opened with a spectacular boss fight. There's the Hydra in the original Mm -hmm, game, mm -hmm, there is mm -hmm. Uh, I don't even know what you call it in God of War (laughs) 3 when Poseidon is attacking Gaia the Titan and is just making a horse spider crab emerge from her body and it's made of like fountains of water and it remains one of the most graphically impressive things I have ever seen in a video game and it's amazing, it's super cool, and I was... Obviously, my experience was different than your guys. I really liked the boss fight with Balder because it didn't go on forever. Right. I thought, like, this is awesome. And it stuck out to me because before playing God of War this week, I have been, over the past month, slowly playing through Doom 2016 on my one Nintendo of my Switch. One of my one favorites. Of, a favorite of this show... But longtime listeners will probably remember that I had to... Well, you and Dave, Susan, you guys kept playing Doom 2016. I had to beat a hasty retreat after a certain point because I got a case of the vapors from playing Doom. I could not play it because it... Dear me. I couldn't play it on PlayStation 4 or PC because it made me sick to my stomach. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Anyway, the Nintendo Switch version is 30 frames per second, and it's all blurry and slow, uh, and... To the hardcore pro gamers, uh, <laughs> that's the bro- that's the broken version of the game. To me, it's the right version of the game. Yeah. Uh, but here's the thing: I still haven't finished it. I still haven't beaten Doom 2016, even though I got all the way to the ending because the final boss fight is a piping hot plate of bullshit. That is correct. I I I think I struggled with that boss. I I what, what can you describe the boss? Because I okay. don't quite recall it. You you fight the cyber demon. Uh, yeah. it's, it's the classic final boss of the original Doom. Right, it's this big Satan looking guy, and you it's it's a very it's the simplest of simple boss fights. You are in an arena. He has a pattern of very strong attacks. Yep. You just have to wail on him with your most powerful weapons. And he will while go down while avoiding
1: set attacks. While
0: avoiding set attacks, and then he will turn into a second form, and you have to do it again. It's slightly mm-hmm. harder. That is it's garbage. It, it, it's the that is every boss fight in video games all the way back to the 1970s. It is as prototypical as you can get. It's no different than fucking Donkey Kong. It's it's it is the boss fight. Yeah. And I hate this one. Because it's it's tedious. Number yeah. one, it takes a really long time, even when you knock it down to easy. And the attacks are not they, they are are punishing in a way that is not reflecting real challenge or growth as a player. Mm-hmm. They are f- so fast that you can't properly see them. They track you and you will get hit. the The cyber demon throws out like these arrows of light. And you'll get, he'll do one in the middle and you have to duck under it. And then there's one that you have to jump over and then he'll transition to a homing laser that warms up and it'll track wherever you are and you have to dodge out of the way. And it's done in a way that's just, it's, it's, oh, it's super hard because you can only get hit like twice. But you're not really using the skills that you have used throughout the rest of the game. This is like in God of War 1 that we were just talking about. You know, throughout Doom, you're just put into rooms that are, like, the challenge is, here is the architecture. You're either in a valley, or a room with uh, a bunch of different tiered platforms, or you're Mm -hmm. outside Mm -hmm. on scaffolding, and here are hordes of enemies that are going to attack you in waves, and it's up to you to figure out how to use the weapons in your arsenal the limited ammunition you have and your ability to run up to these things and punch them in the face so that they explode and give you new health and new ammunition so that you can keep moving. The challenge is always how to figure out the puzzle of that. It's very exciting. And then this boss just throws all of that out the window and says, we're just going to bludgeon you. And maybe if you're super good pro gamers, you can get through it. Or, you know, you, you get lucky. And it feels like it comes down to luck. Like, oh, this time I fought him. And I was able to avoid the one laser this one time. And you can almost see the design logic there of saying like, oh, I got by by the skin of my teeth. But it feels like a bunch of bullshit. And I want to I want to put it to you guys. Like, how do you how do you feel about boss fights in a game? A lot of the time, I don't even want bosses in a game. You know, when I play an action game, especially a big open world action game that's going to go on and on and on, I don't want the big drawn out fight because that's not what I'm here for. You know, there are people who complain over and over again that the end of uh, Shadow of Mordor is terrible because there's no big boss fight with Sauron. Like, it's Mm -hmm. basically just a quick time event and then the game ends. I loved that. I thought that that was the best story ending that that game could have had. Because it's not like it's not doing it's not asking me to waste my time on something that doesn't have anything to do with the game that preceded it, right? So you know, well, it okay. First of all, yeah. I'm, I'm going to have to disagree with you on a on a few key points. Th-
1: the cyber demon does not come down to luck. He telegraphs his moves. Mm-hmm. the The whole laser beam of of ducking or jumping or what have you. If you observe it enough and pay enough attention, you know what he's going to do. And then it comes down to jumping or ducking at the correct moment while also shooting while also blah, blah, blah.
0: But it's boring. It is super boring.
1: My, my issue – like I played the rest of the game on normal. And then I knocked that down to easy just so I could finish because it wasn't interesting. Yeah. If this is not an interesting test of my skill. Now, that kind of gameplay, while it does not appeal to me, the memorization of patterns and the split second avoidance of said patterns is very shmup. Mm. I don't want to play shmups. But it's consistent throughout the game. You start a shmup. You are observing patterns. You are avoiding them. You are fitting your offense into your defense. Mm -hmm, That mm -hmm. all makes sense. It's all the same skill set that just gets more and more advanced as the game goes. Just like you said in Doom, that's not what happens here. Like, yes, you need to learn how the different enemies attack so that you – Understand better ways to. So that you can react. So you can So that you can react appropriately. But it's not okay. Now I got to wait for two seconds and jump to the right. It's not that kind of thing. It's very exciting. You have to keep moving in Doom, or you will die. Yeah. I, when I started playing Doom, I was playing it like Destiny, where no, I would no. like plant and shoot. Like no, no, so you that, gotta move. You gotta move. You gotta move. You gotta like two shots at this guy and move, then two shots at this guy and move. You can't finish an enemy off all in one go. You gotta move through the room, and that keeps it very exciting and very dynamic.
0: Yeah.
1: And the Cy- Cyberdemon is like the antithesis of that. Yeah.
0: yeah.
2: And it yeah. definitely feels like they wanted to make The Last Boss be a throwback to the original Doom. Which I get. But that throwback did not fit the ethos of the new Doom that they'd created. And it's
0: also, you, you should, let us never forget the greatest tips and tricks tip ever to make it oh, into yeah. a classic <laughs> video game magazine <laughs> yeah. is smack dab in the middle of the page of the tip section of GamePro in 1993 is a picture of the cyber demon and all it says and they were totally serious this was before the days of irony on the internet kids it just says shoot the cyber demon until he dies that is nice. the tip yeah, shoot nice. the cyber demon until he dies. I this mean, is, yeah, that's what true. you did. That's yeah, what it,
1: that's what you did. Yeah, with okay, so here's here's the thing about boss fights. I do like the idea of a point of hot, like classic drama. You know, you go up to yes. you know, and then right, fine. And games with big narratives need that, I think. Like, you want that dramatic moment. You want that feeling of closure. You want totally. to feel like there's an end. However, and, and the boss fight fits that point. Like, it, it, it's, you know, you and me, and we're going to have a showdown, and I'm going to come out victorious. Cool. However, I think the problem is that the term boss fight, air quote, is so steeped in tradition. And it's so steeped, in, and especially in a particularly Japanese style, where it's, you know, hit the, hit the point for massive damage – that the, the re, there needs to be a rethinking of what does this mean? How can we approach it? We had this conversation with Evil Within 2 mm-hmm, where mm-hmm. the boss fight could have been, you know, a conversation. It could have been using elements from your past to be able to break down your wife's defenses, something like that, as
0: opposed to just,
1: okay, it just shoot the
0: cream monster in the glowing ball.
1: Exactly, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like, I... I, I understand why boss fights used to be the way they were, like back in the, the 8-bit and 16-bit days. Mm-hmm. There was a limitation on what you could possibly do. And so, you know, there was a limitation on the perspective you could have on the room. So you get the big crab with the flappy arms mm-hmm. and you got to dodge the arms and then shoot. And it was, and that was the kind of excitement that could be created with those limited resources. We can do a lot more now.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: We need to try harder. We like, need to think outside the box. Yeah. And like, God
0: of War, I, I, you know, again, like it's clear that the balancing isn't totally there in God of War because mm-hmm. both of you guys felt like the Balder fight went on way too long to be oh, yeah. an effective substantiation of that. Whereas I, I found that, like, I was like, this is tight. This is awesome. And it was a very very classical realization of that boss fight like you're describing it susan it was Mm -hmm. here is the perspective of the game and here is how we're going to manipulate that and the the controls as they've been established up to this point to give you the feel of of drama in this Mm -hmm. moment and it it, the only reason it worked for me was i wasn't being punished for for for, you know my time (laughs) Dave, you were about to say something.
2: Oh, just like, I I like the ways that certain games approach, uh, like you were saying uh, boss fights as a conversation. Like, the boss fights in the Deus Ex games that stood out to me, (coughs) the new ones, weren't, like, because everyone talks about, oh, the the boss fights were crap in that game, right? But there were moments where you would have a conversation with another character, Mm. and you could either... Win that conversation by manipulating the various pheromones. Or your upgrades, which would let you sense ways to take the conversation, or um, or you could fail it, and then you would have to like solve the quest a different way. And like, mm-hmm. I, I seeing that as a boss fight, I think would evolved the way that we think about boss fights. Because when that game came out, we didn't think of that as a boss fight, but it was, it, it had that tension, that sense of like give and release, um, which they then applied in the the sequel to that, but failed on other you know aspects of the narrative. But like they actually took the, the conversation stuff and actually made it so that those moments affected the story more. Mm-hmm. And I think having... Yeah, like just having different ways of different verbs other than shoot totally would 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 help a lot. Although on the other hand, yeah, yeah, shoot or punch. On the other hand, uh, sometimes they're really cool. Like the boss fight when you fight the Fox News guy in DMC, right? uh, And it turns into like like not only are you fighting the guy, you're fighting the metaphorical representation of the guy.
0: that was really cool too. Yeah, I don't see, know. that was general, just a random tangent that I had. You can present, you can have a boss fight that is still just shoot or still just punch, and yeah. present it narratively in a way that feels very, very rich and interesting. Yeah, because,
2: because that boss fight, the the DMC one, actually affects the real world, right? Uh, because you're 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 fighting his show in the alternate reality of yeah. the game, and it, like it establishes that as like like, narratively and through gameplay that you are affecting the real world through this demon world.
0: Yeah, um, and, and, like, that that rules. Evil Within, you know, Susan, you and I talked about the fact that Evil Within 2, like, it wasn't the fact that there was a boss fight, it was the presentation, it was the contextualization yeah, exactly. yeah. of that boss fight that made that boss fight a bunch of crap. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it would be very easy to, to change these things. And God of War, the reason I like that Baldur fight so much is... A, you know, I did like the tappy-tappy-tappy, but it was presented in a way that made that story feel so immediate and tense right after it had just been very elegiac. I agree with that. I agree with that. That was a narratively rich moment for a boss fight. I always think it's interesting to look back at how, because this boss fight thing has been a problem since video games started becoming commonplace 40 years ago. Susan, you were talking about that very traditional Japanese concept. I feel like there are moments in time where all all of a sudden everybody making video games realizes that they need to deconstruct the boss fight in some way. And in the 16-bit era, you saw this sort of substantiated by the creation of uh, studios like Treasure Games, who are making things like Gunstar Heroes, and they were like, we're going to make a game that's nothing but boss fights. And we're going to reconsider the idea of a boss fight as the whole game is the boss fight. And then in 2005, God of War 1... God of War 1 was a game that was very deconstructionist in its approach to boss fights, where it says, all right, well, if this is going to be the dramatic experience of both the narrative and your skills as a player, let's see how we do that presentationally. And that was the moment that you really started to see quick time events become part of all of the games forever for a decade. (laughs) Uh, It was, how are we going to give you the moment of satisfaction of Kratos killing this Hydra that's the size of a building? It's, well, he's going to jump in the air, and at the right moment, you're going to press X. Yeah. And so, you know, I kind of feel like we're at a moment where people need to reconsider the boss fight again, because the ones in God of War... You want to go back and kill those three guys, Susan. You want to go yeah. kick the shit out of them. I don't want to leave the comforts of easy mode because that stupid cyber demon is still in my head. And yeah. I know he's there. And, I I mean, hell, it, Xenoblade Chronicles 2, another continue podcast favorite. All three of us love that game. I played through that on easy the moment that there was an easy mode to play. And if I had had to fight that final boss on anything other than that easy difficulty, I would have broken that cartridge in half. I would have.
1: I gotta tell you, I'm not even there yet because the end where you're going up this tower is just such garbage <laughs> it's making me not like the game and i just uh, there's there's better stuff to do yeah, i love we need, this game you know i love this game
2: yeah, yeah. yeah we need to have a talk about final
0: dungeons too yeah, yeah. Final Dun- final yeah. Dun- it's a related it's a related conversation well Here's when the final though, fantasy 7 remake comes out in 2025 yeah and we're still <laughs> making this show then we'll we'll no doubt have that that conversation Dave,
2: i will tell you anthony Wes Anderson though,
0: hate the japanese Huh? Oh, oh, why does Wes okay. Anderson hate hate the Japanese? Uh, he doesn't. He does. and I think
2: he doesn't, and I think that's what makes Isle of Dogs even weirder. <laughs> so <laughs> I saw Isle of Dogs, uh, in the in the in the movie theater in the cinema, as it were, and uh, the I had this face. You're gonna see it in the webcam. Uh, if you guys can describe it to her. it was a.
1: <laughs> huh. It's a, it's a, hmm.
2: Huh. Yeah. I, I was very, it is a very conflicting film. I, how do you guys feel about Wes Anderson? Susan, you, you go first. <laughs> he is, he is
1: clearly a very talented maker of films. Yes. I appreciate his stuff more than I like it. I have never found myself wanting to rewatch one of his films, but I don't believe with, with the exception of Steve Zissou, I I do enjoy that one a great deal, but I, I don't hate any of his movies. Mm. Okay. You know, like I, he, he, he has a voice. He has a vision and I enjoy that he does something that is different. like the way his he has characters who talk like real people for the most part, but then they're kind of in this fantasy world. It's a very affected like style yeah it's very, it's very it's very affected and it's very let's be honest it's it's aimed at, at the intelligentsia sure right it's it's aimed yeah. at folks who have read a lot of books <laughs> and I happen to be one of those people. So, uh, I, 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 I like, uh, I enjoy some of his stuff and, and it always has a wonderful visual presence.
2: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, He's one of the few, uh, if like, i theory I can take or leave, but like there's still an idea that like, when you see a name attached to a film, that film is going to have a very specific style. And Wes Anderson's, I think very much sticks out more than most other working directors today.
0: Yeah. So I I don't know if I've ever talked to you about about this, guys. There was a time in my life that, and I'm sure you're just going to be oh so surprised, that (laughs) Rushmore was my favorite movie. Oh, I'm stunned. You're shocked. <laughs> I, this this is, is a, can, are you surprised that 19-year-old me identified with that film? Are you... This is, are, is, this that is my shocked re- face. Yeah, that's the shock face. I fucking loved that movie. Oh, my God. Uh, and I I, I just... I, I adored Rushmore when I was in my late teens. It came out when yeah. I was 16 years old. It meant a lot to me. Okay. Uh, and... I mean, I I was the guy who, you know, like, came home at Christmas break uh, when I was in college and went to go see Royal Tannenbaums by myself and, like, left that theater crying and then stayed up until 6 a.m. writing like I oh was that God. asshole. <laughs> uh. Uh, so...
1: I, Did you drink tea while you were doing it? Oh, you fucking. And wear know. a cardigan? You know
0: I was drinking a hot toddy. I was drinking <laughs> tea and whiskey and wearing a beret. All of those things <laughs> happened. With my compact, with my compact Presario laptop that weighed oh. 9,000 pounds. God. All of this is to say I associate, I can't. I cannot approach Wes Anderson's movies without that baggage. Okay, I, I associate them I- inherently yeah. with my youth. Okay, and I, you know, I as a result of that, he's your John Hughes. He is my John Hughes. He he okay. very much was, and you know, because of that, I feel like the way I I I'm at now that I'm thirty six years old, I'm at a point in my life where. I am both fond of and slightly uh, jaded by my youth. I'm at that place. Sure, yep. So the way I approach Wes Anderson movies, I I always have that air of like, oh, Wes Anderson, never change, cutie. I'll see you at the (laughs) reunion. Keep
2: making those twee indie movies. keep making those
0: films, which isn't fair, which isn't, you know, that's, that's not an accurate reflection of him as a creator or the experience of seeing his movies. But I, I can't get away from that.
2: Right. And like, so like, I don't have that, deep of an emotional connection like you do Anthony, yeah. but I discovered him during that time when I was like devouring movies. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, I, this is a thing that I really like. And so I was just like, oh, no, <laughs> no, like what? <laughs> you still devour <laughs> movies. I don't understand. No, no, I'm just like that, that time when like, but cause bef- there's a before time when you're like, Oh, I pop in my VHS of star Wars, like 20 times. Uh, because I like Star Wars, but it's not like because I like movies. And then, like, I watch Seven Samurai, and I go like, "Oh, movies are important." So oh, then I start
1: okay, okay,
2: watching okay, everything. Okay, okay. Uh, and so yeah, so I discovered Royal Tenenbaums, and I wonderful uh, movie. I love it. yeah, movie. great movie. Uh, Rushmore, all this. Stuff. So like, yeah, like, and then learning the like how his movies are. He's kind of like Tarantino. He he takes uh, a pastiche of ideas from like French new wave and like Japanese movie, very like 60s, 70s, uh, independent cinema, uh, you know, and like just throws the who on top of it and calls it a movie. And, uh, for up until now, that has not felt weird because he is usually borrowed from like other white creators. He's borrowed from Mm. French films. He's borrowed from like, uh, from other, like, uh, German Expressionism, like uh, ver- various th- things, like that sort of like art film milieu. Isle of Dogs is him doing that, but making a Japanese movie. Mm. It is now, a very, it is, it is a movie. Yeah, it is a face. movie that is very, it is resembling the kind of movies that were made during the Showa era of Japan, which is the Hirohito's uh, reign from World War II till like the late 80s and there was a very you know like all kinds of different directors and stuff but there you know there's a style the way that they present text on screen the way that they frame camera angles like he straight up uses the Kikuchio theme from Seven Samurai in this movie like Tarantino would like uh, like a western song like a, a west you know the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly Sting or something in Kill Bill it's that kind of movie. And it's like, it's very well crafted. The visuals, because it's a stop motion animated film, it's very beautiful. similar to, yeah, it's a gorgeous film. It's very dark and political in a way I wasn't expecting. Uh, it's basically like, uh, it's a war between cats and dogs, uh, but the cats are pulling the strings of the humans who have this very like fascistic sort of. It's a documentary. Sort of, I didn't yeah. know
0: that. I didn't know that like this was. I, oh, I, I, yeah, so all the, are are yeah, the dogs, yeah. all the dogs are yeah. sent to this island. Yeah, the dogs, the dogs are all
1: sent to this island. I thought island it was just because the humans kid.
0: hated dogs. No,
2: so the cats are, like, very linked to the aristocracy of Japan. Like, the the movie explains in this, like, old 16th century style tableau, uh of like japanese history how cats have like always pulled the string with the yakuza and the and the 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 ruling class and they've always hated dogs and so yeah it the 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 current uh mayor of megasaki is the name of the city uh yeah susan's face very much like mine uh is uh Basically says, like, dogs are causing sickness, they are a disease, they are ruining our culture, we must send them all to an island of trash. And uh, the rival party is the science party, and they are very much this stand-in for the left-wing sort of, like pro quote unquote pro labor pro human rights sort of thing saying like no I have a cure for this disease that the dogs have it's fine just give me time you are not listening to me they send all the dogs anyway and so this kid who is the ward of the mayor whose name is Atari Kobayashi which again is just as bad as like that comic book artist who went by Akira Yoshida taking two Japanese like popular Japanese names and sticking them together um uh, and and so he goes to this island to try to find the guard dog that he had as a kid, who was sent. He was the first dog sent to this island, and so he goes on an adventure, meets a bunch of stray dogs, and they 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 decide to form this like pack, and they go to try to find his dog and come back and sort of overthrow the mayor uh meanwhile there's this other subplot going on where a bunch of students at this high school are trying to expose the sort of uh the corrupt dealings of the government and their treatment of finding this cure and they're led by a white girl from who's a foreign exchange student from columbus ohio it is a literal white savior trope
0: yeah so
2: i'm and the thing is like Wes Anderson movies are funny. They're not always like ha-ha funny, but they, they, they make you kind of chuckle on the inside. Yeah. This movie's not really funny. The people behind me were laughing, though, be, but they were always laughing at, like, there's Japanese language on the screen in that, like, twee way that Wes Anderson print just, like, shows text on the screen sometimes. I, I will say— And I'm just, like, I was like, there's no
0: is, joke here. It's just is, Japanese text. This is still a relevant question. Because yes. I know where you live, and I know you've described the theater that you see these films at, and I still think it's relevant to ask if these people behind you were high. Like, yeah, that's fair. Were yeah. they stoned? I, and they were I like, don't know. I was text like. <laughs> <laughs> like no, like, let, like... let me tell you, I was baked out of my mind when I saw Garden State in the theater, and I was laughing the whole time when you weren't supposed to. <laughs> the entire see.
2: They... They looked like white nerds like me. Okay, so I did not, note, that and I did not notice. That, that does kind not. Of like, yeah, that's, that's okay. reinforcing I my did supposition. Not notice the sort of gu- guttural Seth Rogen laugh. All right. <laughs> so, like, I can't make a conclusive distinction either way, but I'm going to s- err on the side of no. You didn't see them uh, light
0: it up or smoke it up, is what
2: you're. Telling no, about no that. one was coughing weirdly. Edibles, <sighs> uh, uh, my friend. Yeah, <laughs> edibles. So. <laughs> It is a. The thing is, is like none of this feels like it is done purposefully with intent to offend.
1: No, like no. it's all
2: handled with reverence. Like him and Roman Coppola and Jason Schwartzman clearly all love Japanese movies. I love Japanese movies. I love yeah. Kurosawa. I love Station Suzuki. I love like like watching them do their. Like samurai spins on Westerns or like Japanese spins on gangster movies. I love that stuff. I love the the style that they use from the movies. I, I love that. And But there is a difference between loving that style yeah. and making something that feels similar but is still original or yeah. your own or does not feel appropriative of that style – than just straight up making a ja being a white person to make a Japanese it's
1: movie.
0: Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: It's straight up yellow face. Cause here's the thing. Think about everything you just described, but it's a black exploitation movie instead.
0: Yeah. Right. Which oh, is yeah. Tarantino has done. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I
1: know. Right. Yeah. Like that's if it, if it were, you know, key, little Twee Wes Anderson making that kind of movie with those kind of notes and those kinds of statements, there wouldn't be this, eh, it'd be like, yeah. dude, what the hell do you
0: think you're doing? Yeah. It's also, it's also, it would be almost less problematic if Darjeeling Limited didn't exist. Yes, like, because because limited didn't exist. And this mm-hmm. guy hadn't already like gone full tilt into Orientalism before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's that's where it gets tricky yeah. because this is all all of the performers in this movie who are not the dogs being voiced by his sort of typical repertoire of, uh you know, elbow patch on the blazer white actors. I was going to say, are
1: there any Japanese people in it? Yes, all of the Japanese they all s- are
0: performed by Japanese people. Like, it's, and they oh, s- it's only, an only speak cast. They
2: f- okay. only speak Japanese. So, so you have okay. Japanese actors speaking Japanese, which are then translated either by Francis McDormand, who plays a translator, or okay. by subtitles on like text, or sometimes the dogs speak for the Japanese people. But that's the thing. It's like the Japanese people always feel like they're in the background. And they yeah. always feel like, like the fact that they, that they are translating it, like I get the logic of it. I get the logic of Wes Anderson saying like, look, we don't want to have white people doing Japanese, like hacky Japanese accents. We don't right, want a right, George, right. we don't want a phantom menace on our hands. Right? Yeah. We don't, yeah. yeah uh, trade negotiations. Uh, <sighs> oh my God. What? But, the Jedi are here.
0: That's yeah. not an offensive voice, George. No, that's
2: not offensive at all. <laughs> but in doing so, it makes it a joke. Yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. And, and that's the thing. And it's like, like, it, it goes back to that idea that, like, it's still kind of OK to make fun of Asian people, like yep. in a way that it's not OK to make fun of black people. Mm-hmm. And it's frustrating because I enjoy the craft of this movie. I think that like the performances are great. I like the story is like it's it, it, it is very disjointed, but also intriguing to watch. I'm glad that I've seen it. But the entire time I watched it, I was just like.
0: Why? <laughs> you know what would have been? Why?
1: Because here's are loving a, loving a thing. Right, loving an art form. Yeah, he loves the way this particular. Wh- what did you say the genre of movie was?
2: Showa. It's just it's Showa era. Sh- show,
1: Showa era. Okay, do te- have that kind of aesthetic, and then apply it to something that is yours, right? Yeah. That is like, that is applicable to your culture and your history, and like, like because like that's homage. that's yeah. influence as opposed to fetishism. Yeah. and and. and Appropriation, yeah. and
2: there's nothing about this movie that has to be set in Japan. Right? It's it's a setting. Yep. It is a the it is a setting and aesthetic. And like, don't get me wrong, it's a cool aesthetic. I love Akira, uh, but I'm not gonna make a movie set in Japan about yeah. Japanese characters and Japanese problems as a white person. That's not what I'm gonna do because I know better than that. Um, it's like, well, it's like Jim Jarmusch straight up ripped off a scene from Branded to Kill for Ghost Dog, The Way of the Samurai. The character follows the code of the samurai, but I still like that feels less appropriative and more inspired.
1: That's I don't know. appropriative of a piece of fiction as yeah. opposed to a culture.
0: That's And, yeah. that's, and that's also like in, the exa- in that example, like Ghost Dog is stylized in such a dramatic way to emphasize how outside of reality its protagonist is like, and the world that he exists in is so absurd. Uh, you know, any, that, that it's just a different thing, you know? Yeah. It's, it's and I'm, it's just, I,
2: I felt this way about Kubo and the two strings too. Oh, that yeah. you have this story that is very much, uh, it's either based on or inspired by Japanese folklore. I'm not entirely sure which, but it's all a bunch of, white actors
0: and it's playing. McConaughey too. You can't escape that yeah. McConaughey.
2: It's just, it's, it's, uh, it's a, it's a weird, it's a weird thing. Did you know? And how- it's like, as a white person, I, I feel like navigating it is, and even talking about it is weird too. Like yeah. I because I don't, you know, I don't want to offend. I want to, I don't have all of the pieces because I exist outside of that culture. Right. But
1: that, I mean, that's but, exactly. But that's not offensive, right? Yeah, like right. that's that's very appropriate to say. Like I don't get it. I can't get it. I I'm not part of that culture. I didn't grow up in that culture. Like I would even say, like if you are if you're a white person who was born and raised in Japan, then I think you get to say shit. Because yeah. yeah. you know what? Like that's your culture. That's where you were. That's where you're from. Uh, liking it. You know, liking anime and and enjoying mochi does not mean you get to claim no. their culture as your own, okay? Yeah. Like, yeah. just
0: stop it. It's, it's, really, <laughs> um, it's funny, like, just thinking about this conversation that we're having, I realize that we have had it before in a... a about a much less emotionally fraught game. Uh... We 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 make fun of Heavy Rain all the time. Oh, God, Heavy Rain. Yeah. We make fun of Heavy Rain constantly, and we make fun of David Cage constantly. And we make yes. fun of, like, Jason, Jason! But at the exact yeah. same time, like, that is... It's not a dissimilar situation. It is a French national saying, I want to make the hardcore American crime movie about America... And he makes it, and it's kind of fucking embarrassing and really. It feels like it was made
2: inside of an IKEA factory. And it
0: feels like it was made inside of an IKEA factory, and like one third of that game is about an American woman who is, you know, coded to be uh, sort of racially indeterminate being Mm. repeatedly sexually assaulted by club owners, by uh, psychopaths, by... and Fictional men in her dreams. Right, fictional men in her dreams for no reason. It has nothing to do with the story. And it's all uh, this guy saying, like, I want to do this culture. I want to do my American crime story. And it's, you know, it, it, not unlike Wes Anderson with Isle of Dogs. You You sit there and you're like, I'm not going to say that this is the worst thing in the world, but maybe don't. Do that. Yeah, like why? Like that could have been in Paris. It could why wasn't yeah. it, it? You know, then the An
2: accents, American town, or, yeah,
1: or even yeah. Uh, you know, okay, split the difference, make it Montreal
0: for sure. Why not? Right? Why The, not? the
1: accents make sense. Then some of the cultural differences make sense. Like Philly.
0: Philly, Philly, turn. <laughs> Philly. no, that, that house that that guy lives in, yeah, that's totally in fucking Philadelphia, right? And their right, clean, like, oh. sunny, open air market—that's exactly what I think of when I think of goddamn Chestnut Street. Please. <laughs> you <Yeah. Yeah, dude>. goon. <laughs> Wastelands. If they, if we're going to put a oh. cap on this, it should probably be the fact that Detroit Become Human is going to be a sensitive, wonderful, oh wonderful work. Uh, uh. Everybody, that, that brings us to the time of our regular programming here on the Continue Podcast. Dave, who are the wonderful people that made this happen?
2: Oh, uh, yes. Uh, if you back us on Patreon, you get access to a bunch of exclusive content. Our Discord channel, go to patreon.com slash continue podcast, uh, and uh, all of the tiers are there. But if you back us at $10 or more, I will give you a special shout-out on our show, like I'm going to do now. So special thanks to... <clears throat> excuse me. I'm going to uh, clear my throat. Uh, Mirko Arico Torreno, John, Nick Grugan, Ryan Brady, Peter, Ryan Mance, Flunky, the best squirrel you know, uh, <laughs> t- <laughs> Thierry Belair. Eric Van Quill, Olmec, The Fancy Manatee, Denton O'Brock, Ellie Dare, uh, Logan Polly, Ludwig Kitzman, Stormshot, Double Taco, Gluttony 1 of 7, Francisco Arias Guimareas, Kalen Houston, Axel Olsen-Mangholt, Tyler Nilsson, Shane Nilsson, Fassi Sayin, Yattle, Jacob Christos, Chris Cook, Skip Dippity, Tim Chesson, Jose Bullet-Babam-Cordova, Daniel Squire, Tom, Derek Sanskrit, and Damian McAleese. Thank you all so much. We had a few new thank, people thank in there. Know. We got a lot of, yeah, yeah. lot of people getting in on that shout out here. So, I, don't, uh, I do not
1: believe our favorite squirrel was a backer before.
2: No, but they are now. Uh, but, uh, also, I have a, I have a contest. Uh, so yeah, if you leave us a review on does. iTunes... If you uh, share us on Twitter, tag us on Twitter, talk about how cool we are, as long as you tag us with the name or retweet the uh, episode link on your account, I have sort of logged all of the, the different people who've done this, and I'm gonna give away a free video game. Uh, so let me click my randomly generated number, boop. Uh, I wish it, I kind of wish that it took a little longer or had sound effects, uh, with the website that I use, but it's just instantaneous, so there's no fanfare behind it. So, hey, Tilly Woden, you won yourself a free video game. Tilly, yay! Yeah, so, um, so yeah, since, since you're not from America, you, I, I only have American PS4 codes, but I got some Steam keys, so uh, I will get in touch with you. And give you a free video game. Nice. Yay. Thank you so much. And yeah, uh, leave us a review, share our stuff, and you'll be entered for next time. So yeah. So thank you all so much for spreading the word. Uh, best way to get... Um, Info out there, and to tell people and let people know about the ramblings, like I'm doing right now. I'm rambling. I'm still <laughs> talking. I'm going to kick it. I have no way to segue this, so just well, interrupt me. The,
0: the way to segue that <laughs> is, I would like to just thank all the people who have been sharing the podcast around. I have seen a a noticeable uptick in people sharing the podcast on Twitter and just saying, "Hey." Uh, you, you know, if you're into this sort of thing, please listen to this. And these are like personal if recommendations. Sort of <laughs> if you're into this sort of thing, if you're, in, if you're into hearing people uh, badly imitate the Trade Federation from Episode One, <laughs> this is the the only game. We in have town. to bring it up in the sand. Well, don't do it. Good. That's <laughs> process them. What is that? What is that a threat? Why is that a threat? When it's like we got you, Queen Amidala. In this back alley, all of the bureaucracy of this high level intergalactic yeah. <laughs> government, we find you in the alley. This is slowly but surely becoming Watto, who's offensive I was for me. Nubian! <laughs> it's really a differently racist character They're from the yeah. same film. Can you fucking believe that they name the spaceship Nubian class? What is. Right? You no, know, I just. All right. Anyway. uh. Thank you, everybody, who has been sharing the show and recommending it to friends. Because you have been doing that, we are very close to this becoming a weekly show instead of a bi weekly we? show. Yes. Uh, if you go to patreoncom continue podcast and back us, uh, $750 <gasps> is our goal. Oh, yeah. We're we, almost like $100 away. We're $100 we're so away. Close. We're very close to this becoming a weekly show, everybody. Uh, so keep sharing it patreon.com slash continue podcast uh, you, can, you can communicate with us on a daily basis at uh, twitter.com slash continue pod and uh, we're going to hopefully be streaming more dave's got his setup he's gonna do a full final fantasy series run at twitch.tv slash continue podcast not all at once not all at once
2: i have to stress that like,
0: Let's put it this way. I don't way. have. I'm not. I'm not 18 anymore. Dave. Dave promises to finish the entire series by the time that Final Fantasy VII remake comes out. See, you're covered. I got you're, time. Now you never have to play all these games. Yeah, it's fine. I just let you go off. You will all be dead before that game comes <laughs> out. <laughs> we will all die of old age of natural causes. We will die at the age of 127, breaking all previously known records. Uh, you can also, uh, if you back us at $5, uh, $5 is the discord. Yeah. $5. You get access to the discord, the continue podcast discord. And we're, we're in there. The loveliest
2: community on the internet. Yeah. I'm putting my foot down.
0: It's a good time. No, I agree with that. I really do. Yeah. It is a lovely place to be on the internet. Uh, it's it's like nobody is a dick. It's (laughs) true. I I can't say that about anywhere else on the internet. Uh, like there's
1: no like you know how in in other communities like there's that one guy yeah there's always a dick. it's just like son of a, yeah like we genuinely don't have a that guy
0: yeah we don't and and we we recommend you join us Susan <laughs> you can be that guy on the internet you can be that guy be that guy for us uh, if,
1: you, if you would like to uh, find me and discuss things. With me, you can find me on Twitter at Susan Arndt. You can uh, occasionally find me, my writings, at Genie Online. Uh, or you can find me on Pocket Gamer, where I have a weekly
2: column about mobile games. Dave Roberts, where can they find you? Uh, you, can, you can find me at David Robots uh, on Twitter. That's where I do most of my online talking these days. Not so much anymore. I'm kind of lurking in the background. Uh, Probably best for my brain, uh, but uh, yeah, you can hit me up. I'm down to talk about games and movies and stuff. I also write for Genie Online, uh, website about magic and deception. GenieOnline.com, uh, and I yeah you know, help edit stuff there too. So I'm kind of keeping that machine chugging along.
0: So he
1: totally is. Yeah, yeah, he's
0: he he is he is the guy who keeps the trains going. Uh, if anybody is not getting enough of me on this show, you can find me at (laughs) twitter.com slash a John Agnello. You can find me every single day at venturebeat.com where I'm doing, I'm doing a lot more of the game journalism again, guys. I thought I was, I that I was that. out. Are you doing it? I thought, I, I, thought I was out, but I've been pulled back in doing like doing, Al Pacino and like yeah,
2: Godfather Three.
0: Uh, by the time by the time this is out, I encourage you to go there and you can read my interview with Mister Suda Fifty One. We only talk about alcohol a little this time. Uh, <laughs> you can also hear me on my other podcast, Video Game Grooves, and find that on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at VG underscore dot grooves there's no dot it's just vg <laughs> i swear to god i'm getting better at this susan i swear i swear i'm getting a little 19 episodes a little better, yeah. better. Um uh, okay. all right everybody thank you it's so an much for listening. process. we'll see you later bye-bye Bye, Goodbye.